Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. I just wanted to talk, first of all, before we get into the episode, about a few things that have been going on lately. The first one that uh, we haven't been able to escape, and I know you all will be very uh, distressed by, is the evidence given so far at the Anna Crejo trial has shocked us all um, by the horror of what's described, by her age and by the ages of the accused. You'll know that 14-year-old Anna Crejo was found dead in Lucan three days after she went missing in May 2018. And the trial at the Central Criminal Court is expected to last up to six weeks and whatever the outcome of the trial might be in the meantime when we hear the shocking allegations the temptation to us as uh, who are parents or who are around children is to protect to protect the children protect ourselves and protect our communities but I think over the years we have learned that facing up to these tough issues is the best way to protect ourselves and we've learned this the hard way from our experience of dealing with loads of different issues such as child abuse and all sorts of things. But I know, um, just as a mother to two girls myself, a lot of parents are wondering how to deal with the news stories that are being reported daily or with, whether it's on social media and wondering about things like what age it's appropriate to talk about um, such harrowing things. So I just wanted to mention this because there's a really excellent article in the Irish Times today by Trish Murphy which will help people who are wondering how to answer the questions that might be being asked by children and the first thing she says is that uh, it's really important to be both truthful and appropriate. But I just would recommend that article. It's going to be very distressing for everyone over the next six weeks. Listen to it. Um, so it might be of some help. The other thing I wanted to mention, which we haven't had a chance to mention on this podcast so far, is the death of Lyra McKee, uh, that beautiful young woman who was so full of life and love and creativity and excellent journalism. And she was killed in Derry a couple of weeks ago. And I know many of you will have read Susan McKay writing about her friend Lyra. Uh, she was only 29. She was such a force for good, superb writer, a passionate feminist and an LGBTQ activist. Just a wonderfully generous soul, full of compassion and encouragement. And we just wanted to pay tribute to Lyra on the women's podcast. And uh, just to mention 
the huge outpouring of of grief and and love for her that we've seen over the last while. She really was a very, very special person. And the final thing I want to talk about is Sinead Diver, who is this incredible woman who came seventh in the London Marathon, which is such a huge achievement. Um, And I just wanted to say well done to her. She improved her marathon best to two hours and 24 and she's 42. Uh, And she only just started running a few years ago. So it's just incredible. Uh, So big shout out to Sinead Diver and looking forward to seeing what she does next because she just seems to be having a remarkable run in what, as I said, is a relatively short career. Now, later on, we're going to have our book clubbers back in because it's been way too long and we're going to be discussing The Witch Elm by Tana French. Uh, Looking forward to that. But before that, I'm joined by Kira Kenny, the editor of the Irish Times magazine. And we're doing this ongoing top of the show kind of chat with various people who work in the Irish Times about what's on their cultural radar. So we're very grateful to Kira for stepping away from her very busy desk to come and talk to us. Kira Kenny, you're editing the magazine at the moment. Thank you very much for coming in to talk to us. So tell us about the magazine. What's coming up this weekend? What's going on? Are you loving the job? Well, I'm about six weeks with my feet under the desk now. It's been a really, really hectic six weeks, I have to say. Figuring out from scratch really how to how to edit a 64-page magazine and get one out every single week. But it's an Enormous challenge, but one that I'm really excited about. So, yeah. yeah, delighted to be here this morning. Thanks for asking me in. You're very welcome. So what have you got this weekend coming up? This week coming up, um, we have for the Bank Holiday a Get Outdoors special. So we're taking a look at loads of different ways for everybody of all ages to, to get outdoors um, over the summer. Um, Marie-Claire Digby has put together a really nice feature on great walks around the country um, with a lovely foodie finish to them to inspire people to get their, their hiking boots on over the weekend. We have a really good piece on, on getting kids back to nature as well, getting them to put their screens away. Um, Good luck with that, as <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. My, my kids' <laughs> constant mantra is, Mum, this sounds very educational. Mm. Anything that has any whiff of educational offer, they're just like, no, no, we're not doing well, that. Well, Tanya Sweeney went off and talked to a range of different nature experts about the tips and tricks that okay. parents can employ well, well, to that get sounds their kids really back good. to nature as well. So we've loads of, loads of bits and pieces uh, to encourage people to get their hiking boots on and get outdoors over the well, summer. I think we're spoiled with the bank holidays. It feels like we just had one, so it's like I know, bank holidays. It's amazing, isn't it? And to the guy in the weather forecast now this morning saying that it's going to be just as good as the, the Easter bank Barbecue central. Exactly. Okay, brilliant. So, listen, you've come in to talk to us about your own sort of cultural highlights at the moment. And the first one is quite close to home as well because it's this amazing book I have beside me called Elsewhere, which we will be talking to Rosita Boland about soon. But you have got an early copy and you've read it. So, what do you think? Exactly. I think that's one of the huge bonuses of the magazine job is that you get a little sneaky peek at these things um, before the rest of the public do. So this is uh, Rosita Boland's brilliant new travel memoir um, which will be out in a couple of weeks and as you say I'm sure you'll have her in to, to tell the listeners all about it. But I just loved this book from start to finish. Each chapter Rosita goes uh, takes a different destination. She's travelled all over the world over the, over the course of the last 30 years and mostly on her own as well. Each chapter goes in takes a different destination in a different time of her life. The stories are really funny, they're really poignant that's sometimes really, really heartbreaking and I just adored this book. Oh, that's um, great. I did a lot of solo travel myself. Oh. Um, when I finished college, I spent a couple of years on the road working for Rough Guides. I was freelancing for them doing different books, mostly in and around uh, Southeast Asia, which she writes about as well. But for one reason or another, it's been about 10 years since I've taken my rucksack and gone off travelling on my own. But I just found this book such an inspiration, that freedom, that excitement and the loneliness as well that comes with travelling on your own. I just think Rosita writes so well about it all and I just know that your listeners are just going to love this That's book. That's great. Well, I think it's brilliant because, you know, there's a lot of uh, negative talk 
about women travelling on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of quite annoying. And I know Rosita gets annoyed about it too. She wrote a great piece in The Guardian about that, about why mm-hmm. it's a great thing to do. Because obviously there is loneliness, but there's also an amazing freedom. And, if you know, everyone has to be careful travelling. It's not just women, but anyway. This, I think it would inspire loads of people to get their rucksacks and go off and not feel they always have to have someone with them. Because there's something amazing about not having anyone to answer to and just being exactly. off in the world. It's and you know what? You're off most often not on your own because you meet so many people when you're travelling. Yeah solo like that you know along the way and you're never alone really Cool well that's great so next thing you're going to talk about is kind of I'm quite surprised about this book choice for your book club tell us Yes so uh, we set up our book club about a year and a half ago a group of women as it usually is some of them young uh, mothers who weren't feeling they were getting out of the house enough and socialising so we set up the book club over the last uh, as I said 18 months we've had a very diverse uh, range of choices but our next one for two weeks time now is Andre Agassi's autobiography now it's not a new book I was looking looking up the publication date there this morning. It's published in 2009. A few of my friends have read it and been yeah. talking about it and it actually came up, it suggested because one of my friend's husbands had read it and said it was one of his favourite books. I dragged my heels on getting this. I've known for the last six weeks that it was the next book coming up. Um, but I finally went into Debray Books yesterday to pick it up and the I, I was looking in the biography section for about 10 minutes, couldn't find it anywhere, went up and asked the shop assistant to help me out and he looked at me kind of, you know, Egypt, it's in the sports section. Yes, he's a tennis player, Kira. <laughs> I so know, but I hadn't even thought of that because I've never been in the sports <laughs> section in the bookshop before. Um, so anyway, as he was putting it through in the till, he asked me, is this book for you? Again, with a kind of a quizzical kind of look on his face. And I said, it is, it's for my book club. And he said, you know, they do a roundup of staff choices of the year every year and he said three members of staff last year had chosen this as their favourite so book ever. So there's something in the ether of Andre Agassi. I loved him it. I have to say. He was one of those yeah. players that I was always intrigued by because mm-hmm. he seemed to have such personality and yeah. so you haven't read it yet or you have? haven't started right, it yet. Right okay so yeah, we're, we're recommending it just and we might get you back to tell us was it actually any good. Yeah. You've also just finished Bodyguard on Netflix which I have to say I loved and now I'm, I'm full in line of duty now. I had missed all that stuff and now I'm immersed in it completely. Yeah, Bodyguard was incredible. Uh, originally BBC. Um, yeah, I missed uh, it when it was on the BBC. Series, I, so yeah. did I, because I don't, I don't have a, a, a usual television anymore, so I'm watching all of these things through Netflix. But Netflix have just got some incredible BBC series recently, and Bodyguard yeah. is, the, is the most recent one. I know you loved it. I, I did. I mm. quite like the lead actor. Um, <laughs> let's just I think we all did. <laughs> Um, now, we'll finish on podcasts because mm. we talked to Bernice Harrison last week about the dropout, um, about uh, that incredible story of Elizabeth Holmes. But both of us, you and I, have just finished Teacher's Pet, which is yes. this other just gripping one. So tell us a bit about that and about the, the new one that you're listening well, to. Well, I think podcasts about con artists are the new true crime, really, aren't <laughs> yeah. they? Um, I'm in the middle of listening to the dropout at the moment, and I know you did talk about that last week. But um, yeah, Teacher's Pet is one that I, has just enthralled me over the winter. Um, a really, really long series. Sometimes I a love bit when it's too long. Yeah, it I was think. a bit long, but I also episodes, like when you still have loads of bits left yes, I yeah, go, oh, yeah, no, yeah, this yeah, is great yeah. it was yeah. one and I actually you feel that kind of emptiness when it's over <laughs> because it's, it's it's carried you through so many uh, weeks of your life but Teacher's Pet is a really enthralling story uh, from Hedley Thomas of The Australian um, really great podcast coming from them at the moment investigating the di- disappearance of Lynette Dawson in the northern beaches in Sydney in the 1980s she was married to this guy Chris they seemed to have this perfect marriage there was a documentary made um, a TV documentary made uh, about her and him and his twin brother 
brother and his wife and how perfect their lives seemed to be. But she disappeared in the late 1980s and it subsequently transpired over the course of those 16 episodes that he had had this sexual relationship with his 16-year-old student. This whole circle that seemed to be going on in, in, in this school in the northern beaches with the, with the teachers interacting really inappropriately with, with students. A lot has come out about that since. There's some court cases pending. Yeah. And after the, the 16 uh, weeks, I, I don't think it's any secret to reveal because it was all over the news at the time that the investigation that Hedley Thomas had done as part of his podcast had revealed all of this new information and evidence and the husband Chris was arrested at the end of it all now that court case is, is, is still pending but just an incredible investigation yeah, and the, the interesting thing about the podcast is things are happening in the investigation as the podcast is going out so you're really getting a sense that this guy's work and journalism is actually opening the lid on this and the police are getting involved and every episode you hear something new so it was amazing it's just um, really incredible there's another one from the Australian as well that I listened to since then this uh, other reporter who uh, is working on the case of Hamish Watson which is just incredible again going back to that fascination that we have now with this, this serial con artist he was this other surf duty kind of uh, type also from uh, a similar area in Sydney and he left a trail of victims uh, behind him from the US to Hong Kong to Australia he married several women he was a compulsive liar really who had tricked all these people into thinking that he'd been in the Twin Towers when um, the, the first plane hit in 9-11 he um, had killed his parents off in these really like fantastical type of plane crashes and things his parents are both still alive he told his 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 wife that uh, he had run over his twin brother when they were teenagers and killed him he never had a twin um, just an incredible chain of, of, of lies that he told and uh, he was also an investment banker and this was his end game really was to con people out of millions of dollars of their savings and running away and time and time again and it's called Who the Hell is Hamish yes and so also from the Australian you think it'll be another one that people will it is get it's really, really compulsive listening is it 16 episodes long or it's not it? quite 16 <laughs> episodes I think this one's only 8 so it's, it's a little bit more manageable ok brilliant listen Kira Kenny thank you very much for coming in to tell us about it and everyone should pick up the magazine uh, at the weekend to get all those outdoorsy ideas for the Bank Holiday weekend thanks very much thanks Roshi the Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition sumptuously smooth dark chocolate Now it's book club time and we are going to be talking about The Witch Elm. In the last decade, the author Tana French has become known for her brilliant crime thrillers narrated by various police in Dublin's fictional murder squad who tended to be outsiders in some way. In her latest book, The Witch Elm, she's done something a little bit different. And to discuss this, I'm joined today by our illustrious book club, Bernice Harrison, Neve Towie and, in the spirit of nepotism, my mother Anne Ingle. You're very welcome to the studio. Now, I'm going to start by reading the blurb to The Witch Elm so anyone who doesn't know what it's about can get a sense of it. One night changes everything for Toby Hennessy. A brutal attack leaves him damaged and traumatised, unsure even of the person he used to be. He seeks refuge at his family's ancestral home, the Ivy House, filled with memories of wild strawberry summers and teenage parties with his cousins. But not long after Toby's arrival, a discovery is made. A skull tucked neatly inside the old witch elm in the garden. As detectives begin to close in, Toby is forced to examine everything he thought he knew about his family, his past and himself. It's been described as a spellbinding standalone from a literary writer who turns the crime genre inside out. Bernice, I'm going to start with you because you are the one who selected this book and you're a big 
fan of Tana French. I am a big fan of Tana French. Tana French has written, she's, she's written, I think, seven novels. She's probably our biggest crime writer, actually, in that she's done a thing that really, you know, we talk about musicians breaking America, right, and bands breaking America, how difficult it is from this side of the Atlantic. But she has in the book world. So I became aware, and any new Tana French is a great excitement for me. Like, I rush to it. You know, and there's very few authors that you do that, that you look for, oh, it's a new one here. So I became aware that she had a new book um, at Christmas because I was starting to see it appearing on the American top reads of the year list already, you know. So so the book was launched there and again, first published there. And again, that's an unusual thing for an Irish author. Came out in the spring. Um, it's different from her other novels in that this is a completely standalone novel. Um, sh- her previous books have been mostly police procedurals uh, to the point that uh, last year, I remember I was walking through Dublin Castle and I fell into conversation with two American tourists and they said... It, this is where the Dublin murder squad is based, isn't it? Because that's her... Wow. her, her I didn't realise. Completely. That was... And that that's what they were looking for. But I didn't realise that she, she had such a hold oh, on... Oh, completely. People that would come to Dublin from that's, America would actually be So they weren't for... looking at Dublin Castle's old... <laughs> <Dublin> <laughs> they Castles. weren't looking at Michael Collins, They were certainly they? were not. They were, they were not looking at the throne room or anything like that. They were looking for the Dublin murder squad. That's quarters. So... So if that gives you a sense of what she's been doing, this book is different, The Witch Elm. Now, it's huge. I would just want to tell you, for any of you thinking of your holiday read, it is so... I mean, how many pages are in it? There's, is there 800? Well, there's, there is uh, 500 pages. Very big book. Um, and it is... It does, I think, fall under the crime genre in that there is a murder mystery at the heart of it. Um but it's not a police procedural. There are policemen in it because there's a, there, there is a body. Um, but we, in fact, we don't really, we're not really aware of them. Who we're really, really aware of and who we follow all the time is the central character, Toby. Toby is, um, he's very recognisable. And, uh, but I should say as well, this book is very firmly set in Dublin. So she doesn't make any concessions mm. to, you That's know, That's what I was surprised readers. by when you told yeah. me she was so popular in America. I was sort of expecting it wouldn't be so Irish, but it's really, really great are. to and see the, Dublin written so well. And also her language, language yeah. yeah. So full of slang. Um, so Toby is the poster boy of privilege. He's in his mid-twenties. He uh, sailed through college, private school, sailed through college. Good looking. Good looking, easy with people, gets on with everybody, uh, lives in the centre of town because his parents have a flat, so uh, works in an art gallery. I mean, what could be nicer? He's got a gorgeous <laughs> girlfriend and he's got a very clear vision of himself. His vi- and he understands that is his vision of himself. He doesn't worry about anything. What's there to worry about? He's a great life. Nothing's going to change that. He, it, he's just on track to having a lovely Dublin, middle class, gorgeous life. And then something happens. Um, I, I can say this because it ha- this happens very early in the book. He's attacked. He's, got a, a, he's attacked in his own home. And from then on, and the book is always told by him, he has a brain injury. And he is then obviously, you know, we always question in a novel, is the narrator reliable or not? But it's very clear from this that he's an unreliable narrator because he's got a brain injury. So, and and, and what, what Tana French then does so cleverly is she then, we see him questioning everything. He starts to understand the gap between the life he lived and what might have really happened, that his memories of school and college and everything, or maybe not as he thought. So then about in the middle of the book, 
a body is found because he goes to live with his uncle. His uncle has got a brain tumour in this rambling house. In my mind, it was in Glenageary. I don't know what anybody's thought. No but spoilers, no spoilers. No, no, no. He goes to live with... We go, well, we, we know this much, you see. I think we know this much even as we start that something bad has happened. Um, so he goes to live with his uncle, who's a brain tumour, in this house. And then we just start seeing various lives unravel. And we see it constantly through his eyes. And that makes us question as well, because we are not sure if it's true. Yeah, thank you very much for that absolutely brilliant description (laughs) of it. Uh, Can I ask you before we move on to Neve? I know you said it's very different and you you know a lot of her work. Did you enjoy it as much as you would enjoy a normal, regular Tana French novel? Well, that's funny now. I, I, for me, I did actually feel it was slightly too long. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm now... I have a bit of an aversion to really, really long books, um, which isn't fair, but uh, that's just a personal thing. Um, I felt it was just a little too long. Okay. But so, apart but from other that, than that, oh no, other than that, I've been, I've been pressing this into people's hands. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh no. No, definitely. Absolutely. Neve, had you read Tana French before? No, this is my first time to Tana. Um, and like you said, like I think it catches, as I'm so surprised that it's so popular in America, it caught Dublin so well, so accurately. It wasn't overdone. Um, and what she catches really well is like, is that male middle class Dublin nice guy. Toby is a nice guy and it's really hard not to like him. Is and you also though, almost <laughs> feel, well, <laughs> you almost feel sorry for him and his privilege, which is funny like that that happens throughout the book that you begin to say, well, it's not his fault. Everything's so class for him all the time. <laughs> um, and then like, so he is a really likable character. And then what begins to happen is that he just becomes this sacrificial lamb. And um, it, it it's actually what happens to him is so destabilising. I found it in that sense, apart from the murder mystery that follows and everything, what was really scary about this book was the impact that this really random attack had on him and his life and how everything just spiralled from there. And I found that really scary. Imagine to be subjected to this um, and he didn't do anything wrong and this happened, this awful thing happened to him. Yeah, well, we didn't know. Okay, we don't know. Yeah. It's not made clear, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't know himself if he did anything wrong. And then that in itself is a mind game as well, because you're kind of thinking, well, if he didn't know he was doing anything wrong, then is it wrong? And um, I just found that really, really scary. I found the, the and, and it, it is a long book and that goes on for a long time. And I found that I found it hard to pick up at nighttime in the house on my own. <laughs> I know what you <laughs> mean. Because I, I just kind of thought well. like... Mm. I couldn't stop reading it I either. I couldn't stop reading it. And then you relate yeah. it back to your own life as well and I, kind of things going on at the time. And <laughs> I was like, no, I need to stop reading this. This is not good for me. Um, because uh, things happen that are very real in it as well. And we get to the character, Melissa, and I don't know how much we want to... I'm not going to give away the anything, mm. but... Um, she suffers at the hands of men a lot and like very savagely and very aggressively this is really Toby's um Toby's cousin. cousin sorry not Melissa um, so Susanna Susanna yeah, I'm talking sorry. about yeah. um sorry I mean his those characters cousin. were very interesting as well the mm. two cousins they were kind of yes yeah, so Toby has these two cousins mm-hmm. that he, he hung around within this ivy house which is the place he goes where his, where the, the body is found and his uncle lives and I, I agree with you uh, Bernice I think those characters like I could really the, the dynamic between the three mm. of them it, they'd had all these childhood summers in this house and they had this sort of almost love hate sort of 
friendship, cousin relationship that was very toxic in some ways, yeah. but also quite, you know... Brilliantly Really brilliantly really done. And you could really um, relate to it in terms of family connections yeah. and that kind of... That real complex relationships yeah. between families where there's a... a you know, Resentment. And yeah, and they're not siblings either, so mm. they don't have to be friends. Um, I So I... The one thing I thought was that maybe Susanna's character was a little bit undercooked at the end. I felt like I wanted to know more about her all along. Mm. And I only found out these really huge things about her life towards the end. And um, that would be my one criticism. But I suppose that was the kind of the big reveal. So um, it, it worked in, the, in that sense as well. But yeah, I thought like... She really hammed up the the experience of being a woman as well, um, and that and that was scary to read. Um, and, and there was she that was manipulative. Everybody yeah. was manipulative in their own way. Mm. The, 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 mm. These were not nice people, you know. This gilded world, but you didn't want to be in their gilded world. No, it was awful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So mm. then again, she's playing. Tana French is playing again with this appearance and the reality. The the, the what memory, what how memory skews events. Um, I listened to the book. I didn't read the book. And just for anybody who was also going to listen to it, you'd have to listen for 22 hours because Ooh, that's how long wow. it takes. Wow. But so that the, meant we read it for 22 hours? Yes. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> but the narrator is uh, very good. His mm. name is Paul Nugent. I would recommend uh, to anybody. And is he a Dublin fella? Um, I'm not very good with accents. But, but uh, I mean, he sounds Irish like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I had the, I listened to it, and as Bernice has already said, I think it, it was a little bit too long. I think towards the end, we can't say what the, how the story comes through, but I think towards the end, I said I felt like saying, "Tana, stop!" <laughs> I, you know, I think she went on and gave us other elements of the story which I thought were quite unnecessary, and I do just think I have to agree that it was too long. I did enjoy it, though, because I think she's a great writer, absolutely brilliant writer. I loved her style, her prose, easy to read and all of that. I loved it, but um, I just think it went on a bit too long. Um, and as for the narrator, that I found that really unsettling because he has had this head injury. So he, he doesn't quite know what's going on in the world, but also then he discovers that he doesn't really know himself. You know, all these things that, was that right? Was I really like that as a child? All these kind of things keep coming back to him, which I really got into me. I wasn't scared about the murders or anything like that, but it was himself. It was that narrator, and I kept feeling for him. You know what I mean? God, how do you manage with something like that when you've had a head injury and you don't know what's right? You don't can't see anything, and then uh, all the bad things that happened to him. And I, I just thought everyone was very unsympathetic to his cause. And yeah, they were actually yeah, remarkably, really. They were really. Nobody was really taking care of him. Even his mother and father were going off on holidays, which they'd been doing all their lives. So yeah, and the whole point of privilege was another thing. Like he says, um, "I've been very, I, I've been very lucky." Of course, he wasn't lucky. He was born into a world of privilege, so he wasn't exactly lucky. It was just where he came from. But also, um, at the in the beginning of the book, he's pacing the floor, and he says, "This is the worst time of his life." And then he corrects himself and says, "Up until now, anyway." So that's when you know that even though he's had this terrible thing, people breaking into his flat, banging him on the head, that there's worse to come, which got me hooked there and then. And I, I just, I loved the way she wrote, and and I, I think, um, I think it's better than a crime yeah. book. I mean, I haven't read those other. 
a detective story she'd written, but I, I, I wouldn't even really call it a, a, a crime book because it was so well written. And I'm used to reading long things because I, I do Anthony Trollope all the time, which goes on for much longer than 35 hours. Really? So, yeah. So I, I, that doesn't bother me, the longness. Especially when you're listening, it's different when you're listening because you've not got the strain of your eyes or anything. But um, I, didn't mind, I don't mind long books, but this book, I definitely think somebody should have said stop. Hmm. But, I mean, it's a terrific page-turner. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, you do want to... She has a, a really terrific propulsive way of writing that you do want to find out the next thing. Mm, mm. And, again, I think that's that's such a skill because, again, Toby is this man with a brain, acquired brain injury that, you know, we shouldn't be so interested in finding out what he's saying, you know, because he's trying to remember things and we should be dismissing him more in a sense, but we're not. We're constantly trying to figure out with him his past. Mm, mm. So she brings us with him all the time. It's really fantastic. Yeah, it's funny. I'm one of those people who wouldn't have picked up Tana French because I'm not really interested in that crime genre. I just, it isn't something that I want to read. So I was kind of not expecting to like it, but I think you're right, Mom. It's literary fiction. I think it's, it it's, 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 it's living in a space such a good between crime and literary fiction. Like she's just mm. such a good writer. Mm. And the way the way you were just, you were brought into Toby's world and this really unsettling world, like you've said, I just loved it. I didn't want to stop reading it. I didn't think it was too long because I'm like this when I like something, I don't mind if it keeps going on because I just really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I just really enjoy her writing and I'm really intrigued. Will I like the other ones? Because you're saying they're much more will. police procedural. Read Broken Harbour first and see Broken you, Harbour. Broken okay. And well, I do love the fact that they're Irish as oh. well because you know, I, and I love the fact that she's making no um, compromises on that. She's not sort of trying to write for an American audience or anything. She's she's really settling it where she's clearly very familiar. But one thing I'm fascinated by is she's such a huge literary star, but I just don't know anything about no, her. And is she one of these very clever I, authors who kind of just doesn't do that, that much has publicity? Got a lot to do or, with crime genre. Okay. Yes, I, yes. Because Why is she not someone that we see on the Late Late Show all the time? Because I think I crime know. is still, even though it's so huge, I think it is still kind of, re- you know, relegated yeah, below. It's a bit of a snobbery thing. It's a isn't snobbery it? thing. Terrible. Like, why would you read those books? But this is an garish- amazing yeah. book. Like, this is, like, I can, ma- I see why you're pressing it into people's hands. Mm. I mean, this is a guaranteed, give yeah. this to someone. And they'll love it. And especially, like you say, a holiday. You Completely. can have this for your whole, yeah. your whole time way and, you know, f- very satisfying read. Like Definitely. Um, but she's just so. It's you think it's because of the I, snobbery I do, and the kind I of actually, this isn't quite. I completely a, do. I think I think it's the same. Just, it's I think really we have annoying. such a prize. With popular fiction as well. Popular fiction is the same thing. Yeah. I think we we prize so highly literary fiction, the very narrow band that we accept that things live in in literary fiction, and everything else is just well. That's it's, a bit it's, too it's easy. It's almost like it's it's uh, anything that's vaguely mm. entertaining or that is actually satisfying or that people want to read. We find that we have to punish people for mm. making things like that. But surely that's the most difficult thing of all yeah. to do yeah. to create a mass market where people yeah. just want to read your Completely. stuff across all ages, mm. yeah, and across genders either. That's the I, thing. Yeah, it's such a long book, but you wanted to, you, I, I, you no, never stopped I'm, reading that exactly. book. You couldn't stop reading She's it. Brilliant. You had to know what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, to I, Toby. Mm. I'd really like to have her on the women's podcast now. After, well, after she lives reading in Dublin, this, so. yeah. does she? Mm. But I just find it fascinating that we, I thought she maybe had this air of mystique <laughs> that she was doing this whole. I won't do many. No, I don't think so. It's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the broken, broken, broken harbor. harbor. I'd go I'm for that first that. if I were you. Um, okay, you'll find that easily. Um, yeah, I'd go for that first. That's very. And she's won lots so. of awards, mm. hasn't she? And she's like, yeah, she's a best-selling author, and yeah, she's huge. Yeah. Well, I think that's quite a thumbs up. Neve, have you anything else that you wanted to add about it? 
I mean, did you feel like me as well? Like, did you feel it was too long or? Um, I thought there was passages at the start and in the middle, which probably you, if you were to cut out, that was what I cut. No, I couldn't put it down at the end, even though I probably should have. I couldn't <laughs> sleep afterwards. Can I give um, you the line that the quote, uh, what the New Yorker has said oh about yeah. her? Inspires cultic devotion in oh, readers. Yeah. I agree. And that's what I mean. You're waiting for the well, next Well, I was talking French. to Marion Keys about her actually the other day and she said exactly that. She he, She's one of those authors that she cannot wait, wait to get the hands wait. on. So that cult because thing. Because that was out in America first and I, like I was yeah. you know, peppering to get hold of it. No, she is a brilliant author and uh, yeah I, I mean I don't like I suppose you, to me she'd be in the same league as whatever in terms of writing like John Boyne or one of those people but why do we give those books more kind of credibility or think that this well, is Well look I, I think her bank balance is doing okay I don't think yeah, she's worried about her But it's yeah, yeah. I mean, the money's okay and that's obviously important and the of course success it is she sells, she sells to people who just yeah, care who buys Is that not always the way with yeah. anything that is extremely so popular pop music you know is it not always the way No I think pop music gets, um, gets good mm. acclaim and people are seen as successful and you know students doing something very important you know, it is just annoying I just mm. find it really irritating yeah. I just wanted to um, refer to a note the author's note at the end which I thought was kind of a nice thing that she did um, there's a piece in it where Susanna the, the cousin talks about um, that uh, she didn't have the right to her own body and she doesn't have bodily autonomy so there's a, a note here that says as of 25th of May 2018 Susanna's line on page 145 is outdated with the repeal of the 8th Amendment to the Irish Constitution <laughs> pregnant women will have the legal right to give or refuse consent to medical treatment I thought that was really nice yeah, just to, refer to add that in for the Americans actually because mm, you know they might hangs. read that yeah, and kind of go yeah. what the hell yeah. and it's just a nice little postscript that she put in there um, which I thought was very good so it comes up too. from us Huge Absolutely. thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I would really recommend this book to I'm everybody glad. and I I'm want to glad. go. Thanks for mm. suggesting because I don't think I'd have read it except no, because, I had to for this. You because know? it's my yeah. thought crime. I might have thought crime. Now, and speaking of which, you have your hand on another crime book Yes, there because again, this actually, again, I, I read a lot of crime, huge amount. Um, and I fell again in the same, not maybe in the same kind of way on Jane Casey's new new offering, and it's called Cruel Acts, and it's a DS uh, Maeve Kerrigan thriller. And uh, Jane Casey sets her crime novels in London in a, in a London police station where Maeve Kerrigan is her central character. Uh, she's a policewoman, obviously. Um, and I was so disappointed in this book, and I'll tell you why. And I, I was disappointed. And now I really fully understand all the people who say to me when I say I read crime and I read a lot of crime and they say, oh, my God, I couldn't read crime. I could not read crime. I don't want to read it. I hate it. I've never read it, but I hate it. Yeah, you know? that's, that's <laughs> kind of me. I'm yeah, yeah. And, and after this, I thought, hmm, now maybe I wonder, am I going that way too? And I think probably because um, I think there's seven brutally murdered and mutilated women in this book. And because she's, Jane Casey is such a good writer, it's very vivid. And I thought, I I finished the book. Now I finished it and it's a page turner because her writing is, she's such a good writer. But I finished it and thought, you know what? Do I really want those images of those seven brutalised and dead women, six or seven, whatever, in my head? And I thought, no, I don't. So I won't be reading that again. You know, so I'm going to now be more judicious in my... Well, and, uh, having said uh, that about Jane Casey's Cruel Act, it has got a lot of huge. very good reviews. Yeah, oh, it's no, being raved because about it's all a over really the place. Good yeah. crime novel yeah. of that type of if, crime. If that's novel. what you're into, yes, yeah. exactly. But you're it's clearly really good. you've clearly moved I, to another I place. I feel <laughs> I have moved 
to another place. Yes, yeah. exactly. Bernice, how would you compare Jane Katie with Tana French? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Are comparisons sort of maybe helpful in this oh, regard right. because they're different? But because Jane Casey is a really, really super writer, mm. super. So, but I suppose what I'm just saying mm. for me is that now I'm. I, I feel I have, as you say, Rush, I feel I have actually maybe moved on from those sort of viscerally violent But And is there something books. about Bernice, kind of me too, and just where we maybe. are at the moment too, that we're kind of saying, you know what, I know, I've heard enough about that and I don't actually want... Maybe that's it. Maybe is that's that it? it unconsciously. Yeah. You see, because we do approach so many things, as Toby mm. would, would have in, yeah. in The Witcher, you know, unconsciously, that we don't know yeah. where they're coming from. But I, So maybe... Maybe that's it with this. You know, I still, her, her central character, Maeve Kerrigan, is a terrific creation. Mm. And of course, that's what you're always looking for in a crime yeah. novel. One central character that brings you along. And she is a terrific creation. But for me, I, I, I would, I would it, it, it's not for me. But I think for people who are interested it's, in it's that classic that I read it in, crime. Two, in two nights. I <laughs> yeah, mean, so, like it's... I don't know. Mixed messages, <laughs> yeah, Mixed mixed messages. messages. Now, we're going to... Uh, Leave it to Anne Ingle to decide what our next book is. Fantastic. And just, you know, need to remind you, Mother, that we don't want any opinions on this book yet. We just want you to tell us what isn't, the isn't book... is it great when your daughter puts you in your place yeah. before you even open your bloody mouth? Well, anyway, uh, just uh, tell us what the book is. Yes, uh, I would like to recommend a book that I am three quarters of the way through at the moment myself called How to Fail by Elizabeth oh, Day. Oh, great. I'm really looking forward to reading that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I wanted to read it too. So have I'm you heard of her, of her podcast? podcast? Okay, no, that's fine. So it's called How to Fail. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Day, Day is a journalist, a wonderful journalist. She's written for The Guardian and The Observer, etc. And uh, she made a podcast, How to How to Fail, and now she's turned it into a book. Oh, lovely. Okay. And I would recommend it. Right. Well, you just recommend it for the book club, not recommend it necessarily because we don't know what you think of it yet well, as a book. I can recommend it. The rest of you can decide mm-hmm. when you come back <laughs> into the forum again. That's, it's okay, not to be spoiler recommended. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. It's yeah. Thumbs up for Anne. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, all of you, for coming in as usual. Anne, Neve, and Bernice. And we'll be talking about How to Fail by Elizabeth Day when we return. And that's it for today. Thanks very much to my fellow book clubbers, Bernice, Neve, and Anne. Now, remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and you can always find us on irishtimes.com with lots of other good shows like Worldview and Inside Politics there too. You can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by myself, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, time. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.